It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine on a Monday. Great to have you in. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. I caught up with Joe Goodberry. And we had like a 50-minute discussion about the Bengals. Yes, it included our film review of the Bengals 33-7 to beatdown. <laughs> but uh, I want you to listen to that conversation. As always, we're on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Megaphone. And our conversation, I'm going to play the whole thing just to be transparent. He answers, and then you're going to hear what I said to him in our just entire conversation from beginning to end, unedited. Here's Joe Goodberry, who's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, and myself earlier uh for our weekly, it's still our weekly Bengals film review. Joe, what the heck was that? Um, that was, we're done with the season, I yeah. think. I agree. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I didn't think it would be that bad. I mean, oh. Like, and, it, and it could have been better. I mean, they had opportunities. They missed some plays. And the defense was more than anything was just lackluster. They just, there was nothing going on there. There's no way, like, they were getting rid of Marvin anyway, but there's no, I wouldn't promote from within either. You gotta bring someone else in new. I mean, there was no one in that stadium, Joe. There was no one. You need a new vision. You need a new excitement. You need something. And it's not just for the fans, because I think the players need it. You look at them and body language. I mean, we should talk about that anyways, body language and how, you know, the perception of if the season's over, are people quitting? But, you know, you could see it. You could feel it through a TV screen. And it's funny because, you know, that's something you might perceive as a fan watching it at home. But when you're on Twitter and 10,000 other people are saying the same thing and feeling the same thing, it's probably real. Exactly. It is. And that's uh, – it's it's very real. And I just don't know – I don't know how you don't entertain the idea of doing coach and quarterback combo. I'm serious. Like if, first three oh, rounds, first three rounds. And I'll get a bunch of people on Twitter ripping me for saying, Oh, Andy's fine. Like Andy is Andy. Like ask anyone that knows, you know? And there's a lot of teams that would take Andy, you know, sure. being honest. And, but if you want to really completely flip the, you know, the 
lack of energy, the lack of confidence in these guys. Let me tell you, I've watched, we as Bengals fans, we've watched bad quarterbacks. You watch the Browns with bad quarterbacks. I've watched the Bills with bad quarterbacks. You watch teams that have bad quarterbacks, and you see, and I'm not saying Dalton's bad. I'm saying when they have plays that are bad or blatantly missed and they don't make those positive plays consistently, those difference-making plays, you see the confidence of everybody else start to dwindle and die down just a little bit more. And I think it's the same with coach. When they don't, when they don't make a, uh, a call that will help these guys, when they're not out there fighting for their guys, when they're not, whatever the case may be, that's, that could throw a player off. It does, and it does it quickly. I was joking earlier when uh, uh, yesterday when I said uh, Green fumbled that ball on the sideline, and I said, you know what, the previous play, Dalton missed Malone wide open in the end zone. If you don't think that affects the rest of the team, you're crazy. It really does. You watch these other teams that struggle at quarterback, and good players don't live up to to their billing because that position affects everybody so much so often. Yeah, in the thing, like I think the Chiefs mold like makes sense. Like their model of Andy's cheap. I mean, it's not like Andy costs a lot of money. So there's nothing wrong with having him as the starter. But you can also take Lamar Jackson in round two. Or take yep. insert quarterback in round three, like, because if they end up being Russell Wilson or Dak, like when the the Cowboys drafted Dak Prescott, no one was like, "Oh, that's their quarterback of the future." Well, then it was, you know. It, yep. It's just and the same thing with Russell Wilson was yep. the same though. The third round, he came in as the number three on the depth chart behind Matt Flynn and Javaris Jackson. Within weeks, they were like, "Damn, this is our guy. He's special." And if you're honest about that which I struggle to believe the Bengals are sometimes, and you allow these guys to win these battles and come in and prove themselves, that's why you take that quarterback. Because maybe McCarron would have been that guy. Not saying he is. I don't feel that confident. He looked terrible to come, coming in in spot duty yesterday. But the, the point being, if you're honest with just taking those guys in the third, fourth, fifth round, even second round maybe, you might find a gem. I just don't feel like the current Bengals will ever let that opportunity just hit them in the face. They're going to fight it as much as possible until that guy leaves in free agency or somebody gets hurt in front of them. And that's why you need a new a regime change. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's coaching. That isn't Mike Brown. Like Mike Brown doesn't care if if Andy or AJ or whoever plays. Like, just play the best guy. I, I don't think he would get mad if if Marvin was like, oh well, AJ McCarron or insert whatever quarterback is lighting it up. We're going to bench Andy and play play the the new guy. I don't think he would be mad at him. You know, I think I, at, at quarterback, there's probably a conversation. But when it comes to like Jordan Evans playing over Kevin Minter, I think the coaches have the free reign to do things like that. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's the little moves of LaFell still playing 100% of the snaps or um, Pat Sims getting re-signed and playing over two young guys. It, I think it's those little moves sometimes or like a Ray Maluga that kept his job too long or a Pac-Man that keeps his job too long. And, and it affects the rest of the guys because you can work your ass off. If it doesn't amount to more snaps and more opportunities, how does that help anybody? Yeah. I, that's the thing. Like to me, and people are going to harp online, but they're going to have 10 picks, Joe. Like if, if they use yeah. one on a, a lineman in the first two rounds, they, like, like the defensive line's the perfect thing. Like they found defensive linemen in rounds three and four. I know it's not as deep. This year, probably on the offensive line as it was on the D line last year. But to me, if you can find that quarterback, could you imagine this team, even if what, like they got Watson and he tore his ACL, like imagine having Watson or even if he didn't play, having Watson on the bench, knowing that next year Watson was probably going to be the guy or Mahomes. Yes. Use their first round pick this year. Okay. 
what's I was thinking about this just as I was tweeting this out, looking back at the off season because they I thought they we've talked about free agency how they've completely screwed it up completely this yeah. past year. But look at the draft now with we liked Ross, but having seen that he gave no production this year, they didn't trade back and trade out of the first round with the Chiefs and the Texans, who now the Chiefs are the the Texans now have the number six pick. You could have number six and number nine right now if you were taking that trade with the Texans. Uh, or with the Chiefs, you could, they're going to be picking midway between 16 and 22, depending if they make the playoffs. Imagine having two first-round picks right now and not have wasted that pick on, on Ross, not saying that he may not be a good player eventually, but just speaking of how they handled that situation, they, they completely bombed that opportunity. Yeah, and now uh, it's just one of those things. Oh, my Lord. Or, or just draft that quarterback and sit him for a year. No, Either but way. but but yeah. I'm I'm down with that, and that's the thing, honestly, Joe. Like this year, if they're drafting between where they are now, which is like nine, if they're drafting like in the, towards the the end of the top ten, you have to entertain the idea of trading back because if you could get two first rounders, yeah. if you could get whatever it is, I mean, I, I don't know. Have you watched Have you watched any of Baker or any of those quarterbacks yet? Just a handful of games and opportunities. I haven't gone and dug in yet. That's I'm starting now, though. I mean, we're at the point. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson. What do you think? Early, I know. I'm. I mean, obviously, super uh, productive for yards and touchdown standpoint. And if you if you liked Mike Vick, he's a 2017 Mike Vick, better passer, um, explosive runner. I mean, he could be a dynamic receiver running back return man but i think he can throw and can play quarterback and some of his pocket mechanics and movements are are fantastic on some of his throws so uh, i just think the production in terms of completion percentage and efficiency he falls into the category of guys that don't make it Mm -hmm. and um that's scary because i think the farther i go into this analytics i definitely i definitely enjoy them more and, and see the value of them and they're saying avoid jackson yeah, that, that's the problem to me is the the completion percentage. Like that's such a thing. Like if you can't complete sixty sixty five percent of your passes in college, what are you going to do? It doesn't improve in the NFL. Yeah, it gets worse, way worse. So th- that would be my concern with him as well. Yeah, but and, and that that's a huge concern. So yeah, that's why he probably that's why he mocks have him in the third round. McKyper saying third round and things like that. And that's big media because they listen to people they talk to in NFL teams and scouts. He probably does go in the second or third round. And that, but that's perfect. Like that's, like ideally, I can whine and bitch and moan about Andy, but like if if you can get a, a guy like that that has a high ceiling in round three, I get doing that and in, in investing in your line so your 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 floor of your team gets higher, gets better, while also having that potential on the bench behind Dalton. Like that's what you need. Yeah. In my mind, that would be the perfect scenario. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's it. The only thing is you can't pass on a franchise quarterback if you think you ha- if you think you want on the board at, at nine. And I think – I don't know what they thought of Watson and Mahomes when they picked last year, but I have to believe they didn't – you see, it's hard with this team because I would, I'm, I'm saying a statement that I think is true for most teams, but the Bengals said they won't consider a quarterback. But if you're a team that says this guy's a franchise guy, whether that's Watson and Mahomes, and you had the opportunity to draft him and you didn't, that's a, that's a bad mistake. And then you draft in the top ten again. Now, if you think this is a good team, or at least they're talented enough, and I think they're a top half of the league in terms of talent at most places and um, most positions, if if you're drafting top ten two years in a row, 
those teams normally need a quarterback that, that end up in that position. That's just not, you know, it doesn't happen to good teams and good quarterbacks. And if you pass on a franchise quarterback again, you have a problem because you hope to not take in the top 10 every year. This team should be competing for a playoff spot. You want to take advantage of that opportunity to land a franchise guy that usually goes top 10 or 12. And they have that chance. I don't want them to waste it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. Carson Wentz torn ACL. Yeah, that's what I just got to. Confirmed. Ugh. That sucks. That does suck. By the way, he's legit. Like, I know Jared Goff is playing okay, <laughs> but, like, Carson Wentz is a stud in my mind. Like, that's who I want. I want him right now. <laughs> Where can I you get him? You know what's him? funny about Wentz is I think he's barely – I don't even know if he's throwing for 60% completion right now. Um, but – it doesn't matter because he throws down the field. He throws intermediate level. He throws he throws guys open. He moves in the pocket. He has full command of the offense. Um, he's good. I mean, he's not perfect right now. You can tell it's his second year. But the stuff he does that other people don't do separate him from from the average quarterback. Have you seen Jimmy Garoppolo? Have you seen Jimmy Garoppolo at all? Yeah. How's he look? Yeah, I thought he looked looked really good. Oh I, God, I think dang it. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've gotten good value for a second round. Pick. That's what I was I thinking. Mean, I was like, man, imagine that. Like, all you had to do was give up a second round. You have to pay him. But if he's a franchise guy, like it's a second rounder. Yeah. Oh, right. You that's that's you never get that's cheap for a franchise quarterback. Basically, I mean, the Bengals getting Dalton at thirty five is pretty cheap to get a guy to start for seven years at quality football. Oh, that's cheap. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, that's normally a top 12 pick to get that kind of or, or money out of the ass to get a guy like that. Uh, and even, even if Garoppolo ends up being Dalton or, or around that in that, you know, 12 to 14, 15, 16 type quarterback, um, that's good value they got for him. And, and considering what they've had at quarterback recently, that's a good move by the 49ers. I know. I, I was thinking when that trade went down, I was like, man, if he ends up being good, I'm going to say, the Bengals should have considered giving up a two for Jimmy. Like, obviously, that makes no sense. But I think he's got more physical tools. Like, I remember when he came out in the draft, and it was like, because people forget that. Like, 2012, 2013, especially 2013, it was like, and eh, the Bengals need to entertain moving on from Andy before they have to pay him money. And yeah. and Jimmy Garoppolo was one of those guys that, at least I looked at, I, that would it, did you like him out of college? Yeah, that was 2014, right? That was the same year as Teddy and Carr and Manzo. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bortles. Yeah. Um, I thought Garoppolo was okay. I, the guy I didn't like was Tom Savage. I thought Garoppolo, Garoppolo was all right. I, I didn't have feelings towards him. I probably wouldn't have drafted him had I had the opportunity, only because having Dalton, I thought, you know, skill set-wise, they were pretty similar, even though Garoppolo was probably a little bit better in the pocket, had a little bit better touch, um, you know, arm strength-wise. Mobility, I don't think there's much of a difference. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, a ton to discuss. Uh, by the way, you should donate a dollar to charity every time someone says Manziel and Baker Mayfield are the same player. Oh, my God. I don't want to donate a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Oh, they're both six foot and white. They're the same guy. Like, the same thing with Lamar Jackson. And... 
Yeah. Uh, honestly, and, and I'm not asking about this, and it's it's just the, the reality of it. If Lamar Jackson was white, would he be viewed differently? Yes, probably. It's, and that's it's why crazy. If Baker Mayfield was black, he'd be viewed differently. Yeah. Honestly, he, the people would probably see him as he only can't play, or it's the spread offense that's helping him, or he's not mentally able to handle it, or whatever the case may be, or he's a thug. You would hear all that stuff. And it, instead, you know, you get people that really like Mayfield, or some, and you get people that don't like him, to be fair, uh, because of his antics and, and because he likes to show emotion on the field, which is something we desperately need. Desperate. But, uh, yeah, if Jackson was white, I do think he'd be viewed differently. I think, his, well, for me, I still like him. The only thing that brings me back are the analytics, which don't factor in race at all. But um, So for me, it's hard for me to say specifically what other people would think of Jackson, but I do think he'd be viewed differently. It's just interesting. They want to call him, they call him a receiver or a running back. That never happens for white guys. No. They never say, oh, this guy's Matt Jones, an Arkansas quarterback. Remember, was this 05 when he went to wide receiver? Oh, God. Um, that rarely, rarely happens. Mm-hmm. And he, he flamed out at wide receiver too. It's not like he was Terrell Pryor, that dude. Exactly. Oh, um, and, and yeah, they they compare him to. Oh, he's RG three. Like, no, he's not. Like he's not RG three. Like I watched RG three, right. and I, I was worried. I was shocked that RG three was as, as successful as he was as a rookie. Uh, and then I and then I bought in. Like, wow, he's going to be really good. And then he obviously wasn't, but. Yeah, that was a weird roller coaster because RG three had good passing talent. I remember I really liked RG three. Um, I mean, he could just flick the ball. Better, I mean, it was he was a better passer than Jackson to be honest with you. More touch, maybe a little bit more anticipation, but a wide open Baylor offense that, um, as we see now, I think we, as we see more and more players, the transition hasn't been well to, for those guys and. It was something I didn't know at the time, but looking back, it makes sense. And I think that's why they transformed the Redskins offense for RG3 from the jump and said, we're going to build it around you, which is super smart, what every team should do. But then once year two came, they couldn't sustain it, and and defenses were catching up. And, you know, it just wasn't – he couldn't evolve. He couldn't keep going. Then he got injured, and it was just snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, is it? I guess we should dive into the, the. I don't want to keep you too long. I just looked and it was. We're already at fifteen minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, cool. Uh, it's draft season. I don't want it to be draft season yet, Joe. It was not supposed to go like this. I'm worried about. I don't want it to be draft season. You know, of course, but it was. They were supposed to be good. That's the whole point. We're supposed to be talking about it. A... Were they going to be good or were they just going to be competitive? You know, we should have seen some of these. I know it's so easy in hindsight to say, but. John Ross know, is supposed we to make both, an impact. Exactly. That's the thing. On offense right now, they're watching them yesterday without mixing. Without they long. suck. I, I'm tired of hearing about the damn line, by the way. They suck on offense. That's what we'll start with. Yeah. Sorry to talk over you. No, you're right. You're uh, right. They have roster mixing yesterday, so what did they add to this offense from last year? <laughs> How can we expect <laughs> them to be any better than last year? <laughs> oh, God. You're right. Oh, shit. They lost, they lost their two best offensive linemen. <laughs> How do we expect anything different? I know. <laughs> what is happening? Oh. They may have gotten worse at receiver by not playing Boyd. You know, Boyd was a solid spot guy last year. Yep. And but now you don't even see Malone. They go out there with three wide receivers. They might as well be out there with two. They might as well be playing with ten guys on that when they're out there with three wide because that other guy isn't getting involved. They don't use him. So right now you you take Boyd off the field, put LaFell in the slot. 
while that may be a slight upgrade, you take a third receiver and just turn him into a, a, a no man. A, 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 you know, he could be a guy off the street for all you care. It could be you out there running routes. They don't go to him. Well, so, are they going to pay me they, because I'm in? <laughs> man, it's scary though. <laughs> I, I always say that to my friends. I'm like, would you run down the field on, on the opening kickoff, one play, and make the tackle, or would you catch the kick and try and return it? And half of them were like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> for for how much? One game salary. That's oh it. yeah, dude. I, I don't know how much you make. I work in radio, dude. Yes, I'm doing that. What's the way? Like, what you, what, I don't, I don't know what radio pays, but let, I mean, that you could, you could be messed up for life. Oh no, I, I mean, I would just, I'd catch it and I would make sure I, I was guided myself. To, actually, no, I would rather be running down and making the tackle. I would rather hit someone than get hit. There's a story, and it's one guy. He's on, he's on Twitter, and he's a, he's a football analyst now. But he, he played in high school and went against uh, Marshawn Lynch on a kickoff once, and uh, he said he had him. He, he had his lane covered, and he's running down, and this is in high school. And he's got him, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to hit this guy. And he blacked out, and he can't tell. And he wakes up on the ground, and he's got everyone around him. And they said, you got completely trucked. <laughs> and like, he's like, I don't remember a thing. Are you serious? Uh, and that's high school. I mean, I think, you know, obviously you see these guys. They're monsters. Yeah. No, I mean, I would die. I'm not saying I would. <laughs> It's not worth it because you could die. But I wouldn't really die. But I'm sixty grand—that's a game check. Or are we talking five grand? Because I'm not doing it for five. But sixty, yes. Whatever the average game check is. So I, let's say I don't know what the uh, yeah. Average I, game check. Well, some guys get up to you know two hundred thousand. Some guys get as low as fifteen thousand. You know, depending on what they make. So, so if the average is seventy thousand, sixty thousand, let's say you probably had the right number. Yeah, I yeah, I'll take that. You wouldn't do that for 60, 70. I want I you to I want would. you to tell your wife that you wouldn't do that. She would kill you. You'll die either way, man. I would do it because it'd be fun, but I don't want it would to not be fun. back and not be able to walk around. Yeah, but man, I, I don't think it would be that like it would be one hit, you would recover. You'd be you might be sore for 2 weeks. You might, you know, n- need to get a massage. <laughs> You know, but yeah, a massage that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the gym, you work out in your place. I haven't played a sport in about six months. I haven't done a most active thing I do is chase my kids and and mow the lawn. Okay, I will, I'll go out there and get destroyed. Yeah, the thing is, is you might be it, you might be healthier because you don't go to the gym though, so it might even be better. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm serious, like. <laughs> I'm because you get injured at the gym, you know, you hurt yourself. Things are sore already. So yeah, I don't know. I guess, but you, but you're built up. Like Alex Erickson takes a hit, like hits, he gets popped. He's tough. Like I get it, but like he, take one, you just one. He gets hit five times a week, easy. I was, I, I kept thinking about Erickson returning kicks yesterday because we got a lot, a lot of opportunities. But it's like he's running. It just, he's got a path and there's just meteorites going and falling all next to him. And he just stays on his path and just kind of slightly tries to avoid them. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's, he's got such a weird returning style. It is weird. Oh my God. Please don't tell me this is serious. Oh, good God. Mike Florio. Bengals considered giving John Ross reps at cornerback. Per multiple sources, the Bengals mentioned to Ross the possibility of taking snaps at defensive back before Ross landed on injured reserve. Like, Marvin mentioned that in the press conference last week, but I thought he was joking. That better not be serious. 
click the link. Are you just reading the top? Because no, I read the whole thing. Mike Florio just tweeted a pro football talk. Jesus Christ. What are we doing? Maybe that's why he said I got a shoulder injury. <laughs> Man, I'm dead. I am not doing that. Yes. Oh. It's unclear whether it's the like Bengals seriously considered. Have, see, but he calls him the 10th overall pick. It's 9th, Mike, if they, if they seriously considered it. I, I hope not. Are you kidding me? If they would have ran him out there at corner, I would have lost my mind. Even if he was really good. I don't care. Gets an interception. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Finally got a ball. You know what? His but first reception is an interception. What'd you say? I said, but they didn't draft Marshawn Lattimore. If you play Ross at corner and Lattimore goes three picks later, I'm going to light the whole thing on fire. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, my God. And that's the thing. You, you were the, the only one I heard that said, like, Marshawn Lattimore – you said he would be their, their highest-graded player probably on their board. Like You said that yeah. before the draft. Yeah, we talked about that. Yep. And that's why I said they're going to have to overlook it because they extended Kirkpatrick. And that's why we – looking at the corner situation is very, very weird how they handled that compared to the offensive line. You let your veterans go on the offensive line and trusted your drafted players. At corner, they didn't trust their drafted players, and they kept all their veterans at, the, at, at a premium cost with Pac-Man and, and Kirkpatrick. It's just – it's just crazy. It's just it, so many moves in this offseason. You can look at this offseason. They couldn't have handled it any worse. Yeah. It's awful. Awful, awful. Remember that feeling? We we talked the day Whitworth left, and you yeah. and I were like, man, maybe they should just blow it up. <laughs> yeah. They probably should have blown it up. Like, I, uh. Yeah, and I, I, I've had someone tell me, and this is someone you get things on Twitter. People send you stuff, and you can't tell if it's real or if it's just if they, you know, if they live next door to a coach or whatever the case may be. Um, but the one guy was like, "Yeah, Marvin was blown away at that move, and, and was like he couldn't believe they didn't retain him. Like it was only, the whole organization thought it was a guarantee he was coming back. And then when he was gone, everyone was kind of like, "What are we doing this year? <laughs> yeah, what the hell are we doing? Let's uh." Let's talk about. Let, let's just roll into it. I'm going to play this whole damn thing because I think it's entertaining. Well, let, let's dive into our weekly Bengals film review here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. That was Joe and I talking for 20 minutes, um, but but let's dive into it. The offense sucked yesterday, and that's what I want to start with because as, as bad as the defense was, at least they were missing five starters. The offensive line has played better, at least according to the analytics. Clint Bowling's playing well, and Russell Bodine, who we both agree isn't good, actually played okay according to Pro Football Focus. And yet, this team's offense—well, they still suck. Uh, what's the what's the problem, Joe? Everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, could you could you look at any position or, or or facet of the offense and say they're playing well? I said running no. backs lately have been okay. Geo was good um, yesterday. By the way, it, it, it's amazing that I, I watch and I, I keep cutting you off. But the Saints—they use two running backs. The Patriots use 800 different running backs. All of these different teams can use two running backs. And running backs as talented as Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard somehow can't operate and exist in the same backfield. And what's crazy is it took 12 weeks 
to get to it because <laughs> we talked about it all off season. We talked about it early in, in camp and preseason and in and in the beginning of the year. And one of the major things about getting Mixon uh, and why I thought it was such a huge move was because you could alternate between him and Geo without switching the plays, without changing the personnel packages. You can do a lot of the same things. They may be 30 pounds difference and in, in heights and size and things like that, but they can both run from the shotgun very well. They both run in that inside zone very well. You can run routes with them. You can throw them the ball. You don't have to do what you did with Hill and Geo before. You can run the same offense. And it took them too long to figure out that they could build their entire offense around it. And the way Nixon has run the last few weeks and then the way Gio has run the last few weeks, they figured it out, and they, they know what, it, what works now. It just, while I want to be grateful that they have, you look back and say, what took you so long? You've got guys sitting on the sidelines or, or at home on their couch watching on TV that can see this stuff, yet you guys are too stubborn to, to see what's in front of you. And I think, again, every point we're probably going to make and every issue we're going to bring up today is probably going to come back to coaching and how we can't wait now to see who that next guy is for that new energy, that new face, that new idea, because you hope these types of things don't continue to happen. Yeah, that's the concern for me, is you got to get someone in there that realizes, because if we realize it, shouldn't the coaches be like, wow, Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon? I'm getting fans that are like, yeah, Bill Lazor, he'd be a good head coach. What? Like, what are we talking about? Their offense sucks, even when the line's good. Like, I, I've heard about the line. The line was fine yesterday. Or, or were they not? Were they – did my eyes uh, deceive the, me? For the most part, I think they've been okay the second half of the year. Uh, he don't get hit way less. He's taken sacks way less. Um, you know, it's almost at a career low now over the second half, opposed to the first half of the year was a career high. So they've gotten better, but it's mostly because – the offensive weapons are getting open. The running game's getting better. So I don't know if they've improved. Oh boy, he's still getting beat the same way he always gotten beat. Andre Smith's still getting beat the same way. I could say the same about um, about uh, Boating. But I just think Hopkins and Bowling have gotten better together. Uh, at the same time, I just I think the whole line is still negatively affecting your offense. So it is still an issue. But I would agree with you and say they have played their best football over the second half of the year. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine along with Joe Goodberry. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. It's our weekly film review. Kind of a, a unique day, uh, a unique podcast for you as we kind of bantered back and forth for a while. But let's get to the defense because he, here's the maddening thing for me. Like, I get it. Starters were out yesterday and you're uninspired and you're not motivated. But there were times when Mitch Trubisky was throwing to wide receivers and there was no one within eight yards of, of the guy who caught the ball down the field. I mean, it was ridiculous. And it's not because guys were getting beat. It was the zone defense, and they play it so often. Teams know how to beat this. 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 If it's if we're talking about Gunther as a direct disciple of Zimmer, and they run a lot of the same things, then the Bears knew exactly what the Bengals would run just because of that, because they see it play you in Minnesota, and it seemed like they were able to pick that that void between the linebackers and the safeties, and to the and not all the way to the boundary, but between the corner and the linebackers, that gap in there, and it was tight ends, and it was the slot receiver just over the middle of the field, and it's. It's just based on the design. I will, the linebackers had a terrible day. I won't, I won't defend them at all. They, they were poor. But the scheme does not help them at all in coverage. And I, I think we've seen that for years now. Even when you have an athletic guy, even when you have a smart guy, it can be vigilant and perfect, and they still get beat the same way. They may make the tackle sooner, and they may get to the ball carrier sooner or make it more contested because they're better, but the holes in the defense are still there. So, it was crazy. Trubisky probably had to make maybe two hard throws all game. 
whereas Dalton had to probably make eight hard throws because the offensive scheme is not helping the Bengals' offense, whereas the Browns' scheme, I mean, the Bears' scheme, was actually trying to help Trubisky get easy throws. He's Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. <laughs> After a, I, We're like a bun, a, totally uh, into this podcast, haven't said the score, 33-7. Um, that should tell you that <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably at least paid attention to the game. Um, oh, Joe, like to me, this team, I just like looking at the off season topic one, you have to get rid of Marvin and some fans are still in rightfully. So like, no, Mike Brown's going to keep him around. Do you think there's any scenario? And I know you, you have some connections and discuss and, and try to stay in the loop. Any scenario where they bring him back? No, I think he's gone. And I think Same. it's been a few weeks that they've known this. Even though they had a chance um, to still stay playoff relevant with the Steelers, Steelers game, I, I think they they always knew it. It's probably the last year under Marvin, even if they got to the playoffs. Because this team wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I heard, gonna gonna make, make a, a I heard it was going to take a playoff run and then him to exactly. want the job back, which we don't even know if he does, to be honest. Right. He spent a lot of time here doing I know. this. And I'd be tired of it. <laughs> Especially in his position, we, we're, we're going to give Marvin a lot of a lot of flack for this year, and for honestly, for never winning a, a playoff game and never really going further. Excuse me, um, <clears throat> but he's still not playing with a full deck based on ownership and based on the franchise. He still has a hand tied behind his back with free agency and how much money they spend and and how aggressive they are with uh, attracting free agents and how deep their scouting department is. So there's a lot of issues that are unresolved uh, in the Bengals franchise. I think that's the scariest part about losing Marvin for a lot of fans. But at the same time, you, you kind of hope a, a new direction or, or a fresh face can, can fix that and or, or at least, you know, alleviate some of that from the franchise. Um, but just based on, on, you know, did they have this planned already? It seemed like they already knew Marvin was was. And his, I mean, obviously he's in his last year, but they knew he was, he was deciding on leaving or they were ready to move on. And because they knew they weren't going to make a run in the playoffs, I mean, just watching this team the first 10 weeks, you could tell they weren't going to. Um, it would have taken a miracle to save his job. Yeah, it would have been. And that's, oh, my God. That that was the worst. So when did you, uh, I, I know you're a few years older than me, when did you start watching the Bengals on a regular basis? Was it pre-Marvin? Um, every week I would say was 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer. So it was right. It was Marvin's first year. Gotcha. Uh, before. So that, you've never known the Bengals pre Mar like without Marvin. Right. I was thinking about that today because there was no Sunday ticket before that. And plus I was a kid. So I was yeah. kind of like, uh, at the mercy of your parents, you know, if they're going to buy it. I remember I got the radio package I used to listen to. Uh, Brad Johansson and, 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 you know, listen to the before Marvin, but, yeah, yeah. um, uh, you know, since then, uh, yeah, it's just been Marvin. So my whole oh. fandom and analytics side and, and whatever I do, whatever you call it, you know, I, I'm the internet, but so I, today I was thinking this is going to be the first off season where I don't have any, like, I can't go back and look at trends or, cause I keep a draft spreadsheet of all the, every player they drafted, what, what star rating they were coming out of high school, if that matters, if you can look for any kind of trend, oh, they only like corners with 32 inch arms or longer, things like that. I'm, I can throw it away and start brand new. Um, it's weird for me to, to be in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because yesterday, what yesterday felt like, 
for me, it, it was 2002 Bengals. It was 90s Bengals because there wasn't a lot of people in the crowd. You could tell. You could just get the vibe that no one gave a damn. <laughs> and they were getting their ass kicked against a team that they had more talent than. And that, that, that was a lot of – and the, the other irony is that Corey Dillon, I, I talked to him in the pregame, and it's he returns to, to Paul Brown Stadium for the first time since playing for the Patriots. In, in playing there, I think he played there with New England. If not, it was the first time since he threw his pads up into the stands at the end of the 03 season. And they played exactly like they did when he was here. <laughs> they just played yeah. awful. Like, hey, Corey, we're honoring you by being the exact same team that pissed you off during your years of, uh, of Bengals, uh, if your Bengals career. Exactly. Hey, you remember this? This is, this looks familiar, huh? Um, yeah. And that's, and I do remember some games pre pre Marvin era, but and then when you talk to a lot of people and people that lived through that time um, and watched it, they said the same thing. Like, man, this is it's as dark as ever right now. Because, and I was looking too, but the two times Marvin Lewis coached while being under his last year, so a lame duck lame duck coach, if you will, um, being the last year of his contract, they went two and fourteen in two thousand ten, and now they're on the pace for what? You know, five and eleven or six and ten. They went four and twelve and ten, didn't they? That's that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah that's what okay. I, I don't know what I said, but uh, you're good. Four and four and twelve that year, and just looking at it like that has an effect on how much emotion and passion and and how aggressive everyone is. Guys got to start playing for that next coach, that next opportunity. They could be on another team. Um, you know, with a new coach and new new vision, all, you're going to lose players to it. You're going to guys are going to have to, you know, sell themselves to the next coach and the next opportunity they get. I think it definitely affects guys coming into the year and as we see as the as the season is lost, guys kind of stop playing and you're going to get varying like reports from players and coaches that say some of them say yeah the energy's still there that wasn't an issue, but I think when everyone watches and you know, energy and passion, and, and how much they're fighting. There's a lot of terms people use, and I don't know. I don't know if I ever believe them. I, I think it doesn't matter how much grit you have. If you miss that throw on third down, it's talent. You know, it's not grit. Um, but when you, when everyone's watching this team, and you look on Twitter and you see 10,000 people all in agreement that yeah, this something is 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 off. These guys are not playing like they normally do. We've, we've seen this team. We've seen these guys for three years, four years, if depending on certain players. Something looks weird, and people are saying about AJ Green's body language, and he had a bad game, and you can tell something was just off. These guys are—they see the end; they know what's coming. Yeah, and the the interesting thing to me about uh, that, and I, I made that point on Cincy three sixty earlier today on ESPN fifteen thirty, is like now play the guys that are playing for their jobs. AJ Green's going to be here. Like Andy Dalton's probably going to be here. You know who needs to fight is AJ McCarron, Brian Hill. Like I I, I get it. I don't want to risk Joe Mixon getting injured or Giovanni Bernard with with some coaching staff that's not going to be here. I want Brian Hill to get carries. I know that sounds crazy, but I don't care. Like, get the guys in that need to prove something, need to show that, put something on film. I I really, I I believe that because there's nothing, and it would have to come from Mike Brown because Marvin Lewis is going to want to win. He's going to want to keep Andy Dalton in there and and the best players in there so he can win games just to make himself look better. I get it. But at the same time, you know who's going to be around and you have an idea who's not, except for the, those back-end roster guys. Figure out what they are. Kavari yeah, Russell's the other one. I, I forgot about Kavari. Right. And, and that's part of the evaluation season. You know, we've talked about it the last few weeks because they, they teetered on, you know, why are they fighting for the playoffs or is it full tank at this point? 
Um, and that's, that's the evaluation part. You want to see these guys because it's been a while since the Bengals have had a guy come out of nowhere or a late-round pick or, or an undrafted guy that's been on the practice squad or been on the back of the roster that turns out to be a superstar or, or a player you can lean on. Um, they just haven't given those guys the opportunities because they've been fighting for the playoffs for so long. It has started, it has started to deplete their depth because they, don't, they never get an opportunity to get to these third stringers or these guys on the practice squad that you'd only call up late in the year. Um, so that's the opportunity they have right now. If you want something to watch for, it's to watch those young guys. It's to watch and see what they can do when they get playing time. Now, on the other hand, if I was one of those guys, like A.J. McCarron, you come in cold and they want you to throw a few times on the last drive and you look absolutely terrible. Yeah. I, for me, I'd want some practice reps. I'd want to know, give me a game. Let me play a full game, especially at quarterback. Let me take the week of practice, whether that's week 17 or whatever the case may be for the team or, or for him, um, and actually let him put something on display, you know, some good tape. You can't, and if you're the Bengals, you want him to put on some good tape. You can't keep throwing him in there the last drive of the next four weeks and expect him to succeed and then expect to get a second-round pick in the offseason. Yeah, it was it was 25 degrees outside. I was freezing up in the, the radio booth. We, we have the windows open. And I see A.J. McCarron warming up, and he probably threw like 20, 10-yard straight-line throws. And we're expecting him to throw 20-yard out routes and and be on target. I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst-case scenario. Like, Andy, you got our you got ourselves in this. You got yourself in this. Get get us out of it. Like, if, if McCarron's yeah. going to play, then put McCarron in with the entire fourth quarter to go. Or if you're putting McCarron in, run the ball. Like, they started with the screen. Make it easy passes. These out like hard throws to the sideline. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't blame him for that. In the crazy thing is, Joe, he still had a higher completion percentage than Andy. That is crazy. Dalton hasn't uh, had too many games under fifty percent completion. He was now, bad yesterday, and people came after me when I said he was bad. And you know why? Because there's a weird correlation between Dalton defenders that that defend him over bad plays. And like AJ Green defenders that'll defend him on, on plays, and the guys who criticize AJ Green for every time he doesn't make a play, mm-hmm. but the guys who criticize Green every time seem to cor- correlate with the people that defend Dalton all the time. And it's weird conversations on Sunday. Like, Dalton Green didn't have a good game. He did not. It could have been actually a huge game, but he would have had to make four crazy catches that we've seen him make before. And that's the thing is when you see him make them, now you just expect him to make them. Now I don't expect him to make all four. Three out of four would be nice. Two out of four are probably expected. Um, but these things happen. And, and when when your quarterback is, uh, it could be a slant. And if the ball's right, not right, is isn't right in front about chest height, that's where you want it. When it's right at your eyes, you know what that does? It, it, your depth perception is completely ruined. How, how fast and how quick the ball is coming is completely a guess at that point. And that's how it goes right through your hands. Yes, he's a great receiver. He's an A-plus receiver. He may, that's a routine play. You should catch it. Yes. But it's not like he, you know, we can ever look past Green's deficiencies or bad games. It happens sometimes. It, it, it just sucks that he's not allowed to have a bad game because this offense relies on him solely. If he doesn't make these crazy plays, the one deep ball where he's got the corner beat and trail and he's got the safety coming over the top on a cover two, um, the ball's underthrown, and he's got to lean back. Last split second, he leans back to try and try and make a nice play and get his shoulder out of the way. Ball's him in the shoulder. People are blaming Green on an underthrown, inaccurate pass. I'm like, they're like, well, he's a great receiver. He should make that catch. The only reason that ball's even close is because he's a great receiver because mm-hmm. he adjusted at the last split second. These are missed throws by Dalton. His, his 
his his ball placement and willingness to throw to a guy that's covered in order to uncover him with ball placement anticipate, anticipation and, and and a little bit of accuracy. He doesn't have that. He can't throw these guys into open areas. He's just he's a thrower, not a passer. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of hard to explain. But when you watch other quarterbacks, and I'll pass with you, I did. Normally, I'll go over and watch the Bengals game right after. Right, it'll be four four thirty. I'll, I'll go put it on real quick while I'm watching other games. I didn't put it on this time because I just wanted to focus on other teams, and it was Goff and, and Wentz. And watching those two second year guys, and while I love the coaching staff, they're all made up of quarterbacks and people that help quarterbacks, which is what I want in Cincinnati. These guys are making throws that Dalton doesn't dream about because he won't even risk that. He won't even take the chance to throw some of these passes. And watching it, you go, man, yeah, Dalton's not the worst quarterback. He's actually all right because a lot of guys around the league miss throws. But when you see the throws that you don't make, that's where I get the most frustrated. Yeah, I don't care. Like, I wouldn't mind if Andy Dalton's interception number went up. Like, it was like, oh, so many throws without an interception. You know who has the Bengals record for for throws without an interception. I was listening to Dan Horde this morning, and that's why I know this. Neil O'Donnell. No one thing. I'm pretty Wait. sure. Neil O'Donnell, 98. He 230-something throws without a pick. Doesn't mean he was a good quarterback. Like, what the hell are we right. talking about? Andy Dalton. Alex Smith doesn't throw, doesn't throw interceptions. Andy Dalton what? is Alex Smith, who no one in Cincinnati would want. And he's, he's John Kitna in 2017 where he can throw for 4,000 yards a year, and he can throw it up to A.J. Green, and he needs everything around him. Like, that's what he, he's closer to John Kittner than people think. Interceptions are down around the league over the last three or four years, more than ever before. It is completely nosedive off. It is not a, – a guy throws less than 10 interceptions. You're supposed to throw less than 10 interceptions in today's NFL. You should have a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio in today's NFL. The efficiency has never been higher. Quarterback rating has never been higher. Lately, I've, I've argued with people about Carson Palmer's numbers versus Andy Dalton, John Kittner's number versus Andy Dalton, and it can even go back. People bring up Boomer and, 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 and uh, Ken Anderson, and the numbers are not comparable. Today's NFL, is the efficiency quarterback rating is supposed to be over. The average guy has a 91 quarterback rating. Dalton's got a 90 right now. He is an average quarterback. He's a regular, everyday quarterback. Watch every throw from him and say this after every one. Could 20 other quarterbacks make that throw? Did it take Andy Dalton being specifically him to make this throw? And most of the time you'll say, yes, most quarterbacks can make it. And no, it's not Dalton that's making this play. It's not Dalton's skill and ability that's separating him. Um, It's just, you know, a product of the offense or by the receiver. And I think that's where you need to evaluate it is it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of conversation this year. It's going to center around quarterback. And this is coming off Dalton. Probably when you look at his stats, they're right in line with most of his years. You take away 2015, this is right in line with most years. If this is okay with you and this level of quarterback play is okay with you, then move forward. Well, if you think it's going to require something more and a little bit more, and you're going to have to take a risk by drafting a guy because it's not a sure thing, but the chances you could get better at the most important position of all in all sports, then you make that decision and you draft that quarterback at number nine if he's there. Agreed. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, I, I just think about let, – let me do this. I'm going to do this real quick, and then we'll close up shop here. Super Bowl winners. And I'm just going to look at the history here. Okay. And I'm going to read you. All right. So last year, Tom Brady. Year before, I know he was washed up, but still historically great defense, Peyton Manning. Year before that, Tom Brady versus Russell Wilson. Year before that, Russell Wilson versus Peyton Manning. 
year before that, Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick. Like that's probably the outlier year. And both of those guys, Colin Kaepernick and Joe Flacco, especially at that time, had more physical tools than Andy Dalton. Like it's not close. And they had crazy postseasons. Mm-hmm. Both mm-hmm. those guys. I mean, Flacco had an insane. He's never he's never been back to that plateau yet in his career. Um, do we think Andy Dalton could put four elite games back to back to back versus top teams? Um, from what we've seen, the answer is no. But continue. Um, I, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Tom Brady. Those are the quarterbacks that get to the Super Bowl. You can think back to 2007 with Rex Grossman or go all the way back to 03 with Brad Johnson. We could do that. Jake DeLome, who lost in 04. Like, usually you need a great quarterback if you're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's what it comes down to. You can be and, good. And if you have Brad Johnson or Trent Dilfer or Rex Grossman, you better have a top defense of all time. Because yep. even Grossman, that Bears defense was nuts. And their return unit with Devin Hester was crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why they got there. Bengals don't have that. Now, if you want to build that and make that case, I'm all for it. But then they spend the number nine pick on a wide receiver that doesn't play. And they didn't, you know, so it's not like they went and got a corner with that pick. It's not like they got a, went and got Malik Hooker with that pick or Jamal Adams. If they were really trying to build an elite defense around them, you would have said, okay, I understand it. But again, they, they wanted to surround Dalton with weapons to elevate Dalton. They're not asking Dalton to elevate the guys around them. They're saying we need to get Dalton higher. We need to make Dalton play a little bit better. We need to get our passing offense to be more efficient, be more explosive, because that's something they're definitely not. They're definitely not explosive on offense. And so when you look at it, you say they obviously know there's a limitation at quarterback. I think most, most fans know there's a limitation at quarterback. I think some have started to accept it rather than say, how do we fix it? How do we turn it into a strength? And I think, James, you and I agree completely. We're not saying draft any quarterback. It's Agreed. not in the first round. Maybe in the second, third, and fourth, take, take a lottery ticket on a quarterback that maybe you don't fully believe in or, or think is a franchise guy. Sure. But in the top ten, I'm not saying draft any quarterback. You're going to evaluate these guys. You're going to watch every throw. You're going to interview them. You're going to, put, you're going to bring them in multiple times for workouts. You're going to test their intelligence and their character. If, if at the end, out of the five, six guys that may go in the top 40 picks, you say, this guy is a franchise quarterback. We think he's got it. And he's available at number nine. You do not pass it. Period. That's it. And over the past couple of years, they've missed. Like, they've missed. And I get it. It's hard to find Dak Prescott in the fourth round. But that's what you got to do. Like, like there's you no know, tonight. I, who, who would you rather have right now, Joe? Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott? Oh, I'd take Dak. It's not even close. Right now, but his, his upside is shown more than Dalton ever has. Mm-hmm. And... You know what? The hardest part about finding Dak Prescott is actually drafting Dak Prescott and actually drafting the quarterback. Now, they did once with McCarron, but that's really the only investment they've made in seven years at quarterback outside of Dalton. You have to draft these guys. You, they would feel much more comfortable. They could have turned McCarron into a second-round pick through that third-rounder had they have spent a pick on a quarterback already. Now, they like Jeff Griffin. Maybe if he was healthy, they would have pulled the trigger for lesser compensation. Point being, you have to actually – invest in the backup quarterback or in a uh, potential quarterback that could start down the line. And it only helps you. You see these teams that do it and they find a guy and they trade him. Jimmy Garoppolo going for a second rounder. There's a long history of guys getting traded for picks. It's in your, it's in your favor to draft these guys in the mid rounds or even second, third, fourth round. And if even if that's what they do this off season, I'm for it. Yeah, me too. One last thing. Joe, and I, I said it was the last thing, but I just have to ask you. Do you think that this Bengals gig, as if you're a head coaching candidate, 
I think it's attractive. I would see why someone would want to walk into Andy Dalton because he is stable. They're going to probably have 10 draft picks. You know Mike Brown's going to be patient with you, not going to fire you after one down season. A.J. Green, obviously, all the stars on this roster. I think it's an attractive gig, but I wanted to get your take. I think it is an attractive gig. Um, as long as you're under the understanding of you're probably not going to be big spenders in free agency. So you may not be able to go out and you know get a lot of your guys from whatever former team you're coming from. Uh, you're going to have to take a lot of this roster here. The Bengals are invested in a lot of guys. They've extended a lot of guys. I don't think Mike Brown or even Duke Dogman are going to allow you to just cut players that don't fit your scheme. You're going to have to come in. You're going to fit your scheme to these guys. So the Bengals kind of got to be a little bit careful with who they want to bring in. And, and you know, I think a major question when they interview people is, what do we do with quarterback? All right, do you think you can help Andy Dalton and turn Andy Dalton into a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback once again? Or do you want your own guy? And should we move Dalton? And if that's what you want, that's fine, but we need to know your direction. So I think there's, there, the, you know, it's going to be, depending on each case. If it's a defensive guy, he probably loves Dalton. He's a guy who's not going to turn it over. He's going to run the offense. I'm going to get an offense coordinator in, and I'm going to build a great defense, and we're going to win this way. If it's an offensive guy that wants his quarterback, he's going to want to draft his own guy. It, it could be an offensive guy that says, I can help Dalton. I can work with that. I've seen him play at a high level. I can get the production there. Even if the quarterback play isn't elite, I can get the production to an elite level, and that will make this team competitive, of, you know, at least deep into the playoffs. Um, and, and if that's I think you could be sold on any one of those, to be honest with you, if you're ownership. So it's going to be a case-by-case situation. Here's the other thing. The first time you take away uh, – just one more thing on on Andy Dalton. I I should have said this before. Like (laughs) like the first time he had some stuff taken away from him. The only time. I mean, think about this. Jay Gruden, Hugh Jackson, Zimmer on defense. Like they've lost coordinators, right? Good coaches. Ken Zampezi is his quarterback coach. It worked as him with the as a quarterback coach. Lose those guys. Those guys get elevated. He can't overcome it. Like really good quarterbacks. Like like for the Dalton defenders. Like really good quarterbacks. They still play well even though their coordinator leaves. Like it. It's true. And what's funny about it is because I think going back two years ago after Hugh left and. We're like, well, Dalton has survived the two coordinators now. Dalton has survived weapons leaving. And then the farther it's gotten from that point, we've kind of reversed and said, huh, he hasn't survived the, the wide receivers leaving. He hasn't survived the offensive linemen leaving. He hasn't survived the coordinator change from going from good offensive coordinators to average offensive coordinators and even below was Vampisi. Um, he didn't, he wasn't able to survive those. He was, he's been okay. Uh, you know, you look at his statistics, they're okay. His completion percentage is the second lowest of his career besides his rookie year, which I think is pretty – I think it, you can see that while watching the games. Um, but overall, you say his numbers are okay. Still, the impact throws or the high-level play, because it's not just the numbers. You know, I, I say all the time, or I've, I've made this case before, there's good quarterback production and then there's good quarterback play. Over the course of the year, they've ended up having solid quarterback production. But the quarterback play, especially third down, especially second half of the year, um, especially while you're feeling pressure, you got to move in the pocket, things like that, throw a guy open, make the impact throw, they haven't gotten that. And I think that's what it comes down to. And, and we've seen Hugh Jackson got him in a position to do a lot of that and to change plays at the line that really helped him. I thought Jay Gruden early on Dalton, in Dalton's career. Dalton has improved since then. So to think of what Jay did those first three years while Dalton was young, while this whole team was young and less talented, is a testament to how good of a coach he is. He's done well with Kirk Cousins, too. So 
I do think those two coordinators help Dalton play better. And that's what gives me hope, though. If they do decide to go in that direction and get an offensive guy that can help Dalton, there is some production and maybe some play left out there that, that could be improved upon by coaching. He's Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I know this is normally our film review. We did a little bit of that. Is there anything you want to mention from the game yesterday before I let you go? No, the film sucked. Don't even watch it. Go watch uh, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Go watch some prospects. Oh, it's draft season. Joe will certainly be joining us for draft season. This is your time of the year, man. This is the fun part. Uh, this is this is your Christmas, even though it is Christmas season. But it, this is when you can go out and you can look and say, ooh, that looks good. It's window shopping. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'll take this guy. I'll take that guy. But I I urge people to go out. Don't just listen to me. Don't listen to James. Don't listen to Mel Kuyper, whoever you're listening to. Go and watch these guys. The footage is out there. YouTube's got full games. Go watch them. Go watch a few games. Some of them are cut up. You can watch a full game of one player in 10 minutes. You're sitting there on your lunch break. Watch a guy. Develop your own opinion. People will always say, there's no way this guy's going to be better than Dalton. There's no way this guy's going to be better than Nick Vigil, just pick a random player on the team. But when you go watch and you, you start to see these players and prospects, you go, yeah, I see how they can fit. I know what they do well. I know what they struggle at. And, and this guy could be an asset. He could be an upgrade. And I think that's the idea of what you're looking at and, and why I tell everyone, go watch and formulate your own opinions. He's Joe Goodberry. Good stuff, as always. I know I kept you really long, but uh, thank you, as always, for coming on. Thanks for having me, James. Joe's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Good stuff from Joe, as always. Man, I love having that dude on. And uh, he'll be joining us, as he always does during draft season, be joining us to preview the draft. Already in the works with uh, what we're going to do with Joe, because it's getting to be draft season. It's coaching season. By the way, LockedOnBengals.com, I wrote about 10 coaching candidates that the Bengals could consider so you want to check that out, LockedOnBengals.com. I'm on Twitter, at James Erpine, at LockedOnBengals. Make sure you subscribe on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts. That's iTunes, the iHeartRadio app. And until next time, thank you so much for listening to a long, drawn-out discussion between Joe Goodberry and myself. This has been the Locked On Bengals Podcast. 